Oi oi and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stan Chum, bearded legend as always, Mr. Paul Levy. So since we started this podcast about a year and a half ago, every time we announce an interview and do a little teaser, we always get asked, when are you going to get this man on the podcast? When are you going to get him? We want to hear from him. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you wanted him. We finally got him. It is our pleasure to announce... <laughs> The one, the only, the maestro that is Mr. Dean Cox. Welcome, Dean. Hello there. Thanks very much for uh, for agreeing to this. It's uh, genuinely our pleasure, and I think we'll just sort of get, get straight involved, really. So, obviously, the most recent news about about yourself uh, from from uh, over the course of the weekend is that sadly you've damaged the cruciate ligament in your in your right knee in, in training. How, how's this happened? What, what tell us about that? training we're just doing a bit of attack versus defence and I've shifted the ball to the side and just about to take a shot and um, my knees literally caved in and I felt the snap straight away so I knew um, that I was in trouble uh, got stretched off into the uh, the physio room and it had already ballooned up a bit and I've done my knee my medial ligaments and uh, I knew it was something different and I was, oh, I was praying it wasn't the cruise ship but uh Scans revealed it was, and uh, obviously devastated because um, you know I want to be part of it this season, and I want wanted to help us get up, but uh, I'm gonna have to take a back seat. So, so you can confirm it wasn't Alan Dunn who uh, <laughs> injured you? Yeah, I see that on Twitter. No, no, it wasn't Danny. No, no, he's not. He's not as uh, as much as a nutter as people make out. He's a lovely bloke, but uh, he does like a tackle. I will say that. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't Danny. No. <laughs> um, so. With with that in mind, that everyone's sort of saying six months, and and obviously Paul McCallum's obviously out uh, with a similar injury as well. I mean, obviously all all things being considered, you're having an operation later this month or early next month. Is that right? Yeah, How the first, generally the first is of this month. Right, and then yeah. physio over the next two or three months, and then hopefully. Back, back, back with ball work, or how, how do these things generally work? Yeah, well, well I don't really know because I'm, I'm not normally injured, to be honest, mate. So I'm a bit uh, unaware, really. But uh, obviously, he's given me the lowdown of um, the rehab that we've got to do now. I mean, obviously, I'll have the operation on the 30th. I'll take a week to 10 days at home just to literally let it settle down. And uh, again, it will swell up again after I've been told after the, uh, the op, and then. Uh, then it's into uh, strengthen the quads. Quads quadricep is the you know the the key to this really. Uh, speaking to the physio, maintain my strength. Um, it's going to be a lot of long days doing the same things. It's going to be quite boring, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be a, a very bad patient. I can tell you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got his work cut out. I'll tell you, uh, but uh, no, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm just gutted I won't be able to play, and uh, you know because uh, this season uh, my whole reason to stay in because I love the club and I wanted to get a promotion on my CV and I wanted to be a part of it but hopefully the lads can continue on and, uh, and get us over the line if possible mm, Absolutely. I think you've played the minimum required games to, to do that I think it's only about 12 or 14 or something isn't it? That you need. No, to... is it? Oh, so I'll still get a medal if we go up Yeah, I think, I think you no, will well, it's 11 games or something then, that's like right. that yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, It, it think... won't feel like I've done much but uh, <laughs> that'd be lovely no, I think I think you might be able to go up and get yourself a medal. I think that that should be all right. 
So taking it back a bit then to your to your early career, how did you get into uh, playing football, Dean? Oh, how did I? Dad um, oh, just threw a ball in front of me. I think that's how it normally works, isn't it, with the kids? Uh, and that was it, really. And then just sort of got into it and, and joined the local team, Cookfield Cosmos, they were called, and it sort of just went from there, really. And did you, was there a point when you actually thought, I'm actually pretty good good at this, I can make a go of this? Yeah, to be fair, I scored nine goals in one game, and sort of, my dad sort of got, got me in the car and said, you ain't bad, son, to be fair. You're still <laughs> half a chance. <laughs> uh, but at that age, you just want to enjoy it, don't you? I think uh, going, going to play with your mates and, you know, that sort of thing, you, you didn't really think that it would go anywhere. It only tends to get a bit serious once you hit sort of 16, 17. So at that age, it was just uh, to be able to play in the same pitch as my mates. It's great. Yeah. So you said that you scored multiple goals in one game. So did you start off your career as a forward or always? On I was a striker, yeah. And um, I come to when I come to Brighton, uh, it was Mark McGee who said, "Oh, you're far too small to be up front." <laughs> so uh, I was like, "Okay." He said, oh, "How do you think about going on the wing?" I said, "Well, as long as I play, I'm not too fast." Um, but it sort of went from there, really. Amazing, Brilliant. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what what were the main areas of your game that you had to work on as a kid? I mean, obviously, as you know, Mark Mark McGee, um, you know, saying about being too small, but you know, I don't see, I don't think Messi's that that tall a character, and some of the be- be- best players in the world, they're not always tall players. It's about your sort of natural ability. So, what what did you have to work on as a kid? Yeah, I think that's that's the one. I've sort of worked a, a lot harder on my first touch. So I didn't have to get into situations where uh, I had to use my body as much because obviously not being the biggest, I'm not really going to be able to shrug anyone off. Um, so my first touch was key. Um, your awareness, looking over your shoulder, making sure you can see everyone. When you get the ball, you've got your picture in your head. You know where you're going to pass it. You know where you're going to run after you pass it. You know, painting pictures, visualising where the ball's going to go and, and where you anticipate players to be. That's brilliant. And then, have you always had that kind of ability then to pick a pass? Are you, are you always seeing a pass before you get well, to I field? haven't really. I mean, I've had to work on it. I mean, people say, yeah, you do have to work on it. It's one of those, for me, it was um, obviously not being very quick either. As a winger, um, I'm a bit I'm more sort of drift inside and try and cause a different problem. Whereas, going back to when we had that great season, when Mo was flying down the right, that allowed me to come inside at most stretch the game. So, you know, and Lisby used to go over the top and Mooney and myself used to find little pockets and able to, you know, get on the half turn and, and, and create a different problem to the team rather than obviously Mo's Mo and he'd give it to Mo and you don't even have to look, you know, he's going to beat his man. Yeah. Every time he got out to him, I'd look at him and think, well, I've got to get in the box here because he's definitely going to beat him and it's definitely coming in. So, <laughs> uh, um, obviously just two, two different attributes. Obviously, he had the pace, but I, I used to drift in and to be fair, I tried to say to Mo about that and he did do that near the end of the season. He was coming in and he was able to drift. I thought he brought that into his game a lot more because he's got such potential. I've got no doubt that he will play in the Premier League. There's no two ways about that. Mm. Yeah, no, we th- we think he will as well, actually. So, mm. as as a kid, who did you support? What was your main team? Brighton, obviously, obviously Brighton lad. Um, Brighton youth team, obviously, was there from seven. So, people like Gary Hart, Kerry Mayo, uh, Bobby Zamora, they were my heroes. Um, but in the Premier 
Premier League after so Man United, I'll probably get a bit of stick from that for glory, Hunter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, they were just a team that always on telling. Obviously, Beckham used to play on the wing, and I used to just you know love watching him play. So that that was the reason why Man United. Absolutely. And then obviously you kind of, as you said, you started at Brighton Youth, and you kind of went through the ranks, and then ended up ended up in the first team, and you spent five years there. Yeah, no, great. I mean, to be able to be at your local club for for a year would have been great, but to be able to say I was there five years, um, it was all I dreamed of. Obviously, it's your local team. You never envisage playing playing for the first team. You sit on the sidelines. I was a ball boy there every game. Every home game, you used to grab the ball and throw it on. It was, uh, you were sitting there and you were looking and thinking, do you know what, I, I really want a piece of this. I think you know, I want to be part of this if I can uh, do it. And uh, a lot of sacrifices on the way. I mean, a lot of players have to sacrifice your friends, uh, a bit of your social life, don't get me wrong, I like a beer. But I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> um, but um, do you know what I mean? You can't. You, you see, at that age, it's, it's quite easy to turn the other way. A lot of boys that I know did so, and and you know, obviously they're not players now. But there's a lot of sacrificing on on your journey uh, getting there. Yeah, there's a bit of a profound message in there for any Absolutely. anyone that's listening that is uh, in the academies at all. Then um, you heard it here first. So, how did it come about that you ended up signing for Orient? Obviously, everyone's aware of the, the Russell Slay there and here and, and, and Orient connection, but how did that all come about? <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite a fight. It didn't take long. It's the easiest uh, move I've made. He gave me a call, come down, I grabbed the train as I do every morning. Uh, we had a beer. Uh, he spoke about his plans and... I mean, I, I know him well enough from his time at Brighton, and uh, I was already going to say he didn't really have to sell it to me. But uh, you know, Russ, he's very characteristic and and, uh, and funny. Uh, we had a good laugh, and it, it got done within hours. And uh, I was just looking forward to. I basically wanted to just play some games. I mean, I wasn't playing at Brighton for the last few months, and uh, it was a chance to kickstart my career again, really. So fair to say that Russ was the main factor in, in getting you to Orient, I guess? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously everyone knows. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's, a, he's a top man. Uh, he's helped me out a lot. and um, You know, I used to go around his flat, have cups of tea when he was on his own and his missus was up north and, and, and little things that people don't know. And I'd take him around some shopping and make him some dinner. Uh, you know things like that that people wouldn't know but uh, he was a he was a mate but obviously I respected him as a football manager because um, for what he'd done for me yeah fair enough nice. so what um, so what were your first impressions of, of the club then of Orient when you first sort of after after you'd signed yeah I mean obviously I was young and then obviously it was it was hard to take leave in Brighton obviously your hometown club um I didn't really want to go, but obviously circumstances saw to that. But um, it was exciting for me. Um, my missus is well into her fashion. She uh, was working in London anyway. Um, it, it sort of fit, it all fitted into place, really. I come down, like I said, I, I saw Russ and he took me around uh, the grounds. Obviously, I played there before, but obviously he took me around and I met all the staff, um, which are all still there at the minute. Um, it's it's been good. It's been a good journey for me. I've really enjoyed it. And did you did you know any of the players who were there when when you first signed? At the time, I knew uh, I think a few come in, didn't I? I mean, Terrell Forbes, 
I knew of Jimmy Smith. Obviously, I got very close to Jimmy in my time. Um, and obviously, bits and pieces. Obviously, it was a new group, really. Um, but obviously, once we, we got the understanding, um, I had a really good understanding with Charlie Daniels, who's gone on to do, to do great. Yeah, he has. Another one. Another one. We signed him on loan from Spurs and then signed him permanently. Now he's playing Premier League. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he always had the talent. So, what what was your initiation song when you when you had to uh, do, to do that? What was yours? We're not. We're all awake. So we had worry. the karaoke karaoke machine and uh, uh, Biggie Smalls. It's all a dream, my son. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, you don't fancy giving another rendition now? Quickly. A uh, exclusive. A bit of a sore throat this evening. I'll <laughs> oh, have to pass on that. that <laughs> So 2010, 2011 was your first full season with the O's. Um, can you remember your debut at all? Uh, oh, God. You're all putting me on the spot. Do you know what? I really don't. Fair play. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's cool. So your first goal. Um, your first goal. Oh, first goal, Exeter at home, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So that was, do you want to talk us through that goal? Uh, I think I got it off Scott, Scott English. Yeah. I think from the left-hand side, I've taken a touch and... Just uh, yeah, just had a right go, and it's I think top left hand corner I think, and celebrated it running to Russ I think. Yeah, it was one of those emotional ones. Um, you know, obviously like I said I can't thank him enough, and that was obviously uh, for, for him bringing me there, and again just making me enjoy my football again. Yeah, Brilliant. That was a really nice moment, and then your second goal was against Brighton. So how does that feel when you score against the club where obviously where you'd been since, as you said, yeah, seven years was, old. I felt terrible. I've got to be honest. It's a weird, it's a really weird feeling. I didn't really know. I, don't, I remember not celebrating. I really, I froze and sort of thought, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" <laughs> but uh, obviously, I was at all in, and, and I think we ended up winning that night anyway. Um, so it was a good result for us. I think is it Ryan Jarvis scored his header or something? I thought sure he got a goal. Yeah, but even it might be two 0 or two one. But uh, no, I mean it's it's always nice to get a goal. But it was a, it was definitely a strange feeling. If he did, it'd have been one of only a few that he did score for us, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on then, your third goal was against Huddersfield and it got a few votes from listeners as to being their favourite goal. Do you remember that one? I do. Ben Crawley, long diagonal ball to Ravel, headed down and ran on and then levered it. Absolutely. Absolutely cracking. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I remember that well. So we had, in that season, we had quite a... I, th- I think it's fair to say a pretty good cup run. Um, we had Drawsden, which the first leg, we're thinking, why Why is there even going to be a second leg? But there was. <laughs> and it wasn't until quite late in the game that I think we equalised and brought it back to two all. So it went to extra time. Yeah. And then, obviously, their fitness and whatnot um, against us, we spanked them, them 8-2. And then that brought Norwich and then Swansea and then, and then Arsenal. So it was a pretty decent cup run, to be fair. Oh, it's my best one, without a doubt. I mean, uh, a night draws them. I'm sure. I think it was Mpoku took him to the cleaners, didn't he, with his yeah. chopping inside and out? And oh uh, god, I mean that boy. He has got some skills. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a great cut run. I remember Jimmy Smith header away to Norwich. Yeah, across from the left from myself, he headed it. Um, and and Norwich, again at Swansea. Oh, sorry, and and Swansea. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, and obviously so, that, that um, to Arsenal, and. Um, 
Oh, do you want to give us a bit, a bit about how you felt, you felt about the Arsenal game? It's a bit of a, it's you know most people when you ask them what their favourite Orient game is currently, it's either Peterborough at home or, or Arsenal. Yeah, I ended up getting very emotional after that game. I've got to be honest. There was my family in the crowd. I think it got the better of me. It's one of those surreal moments. I think you know to, to get a draw against them is is absolutely unbelievable. And um, like you say, the, the, the ground was rocking. Yeah. Um, and I mean, again with the the uh, semi final goal, the, again the I thought the the ground was going to fall on me. It was that loud. Yeah, it was. I was sat behind the goal when John Zahue smashed it in because he scored at the south end. Never felt elation like it. Never felt elation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, we're going back to the Emirates. And I was mostly thinking, truth be told, that how much money this is going to bring to the club. Because, you know... Yeah, I mean, no, that's, I mean, that is our... You know, we, we can generate money and obviously that, that, that uh, can help the manager in the transfer market. You know, it, it all boils well um, for doing it. You know, there's always something at the end of it. So uh, that's always the uh, motivation going into it, for sure. Course. What was Russ saying before the game? Was he just saying, just get at him? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Russ is um, very well known for his team talks, but this one was a, uh, um, a, a, a well-spoken one. I can't remember it word for word, but uh, no, he, he gave us the, the freedom and, and uh, to go and express ourselves. And he's that sort of manager that will do that. He's, um, he's very brains he's not too regimental but some are um, he, uh, he gave us the confidence to go out there he's a very, very good speaker yeah, he gives that impression as well so we finished 7th in the league I think that was possibly following a late surge up the table but, but nonetheless not to take anything away from it it was a decent finish um, for us so your first season with, with Orient saw you score 12 goals did you expect to score as many as that or more than that no, I was shocked. To be fair, I must admit. I mean, it, it, the key for me was to to get get in the team when I signed um, and get and get some games. And um, I was very happy with that goal return. That was that was my highest in my career at the time. Uh, and like I said, it was nice to be in a team where um, you know one of the main players, one of the mainstays, played most games. It was, it was an enjoyable knowing. Um, it's hard when you're training Monday to Friday, and when I was at Brighton, and you knowing you weren't going to play. I mean, and the difference that you, uh, the way you might, in the way you train, when you know you're going to be playing, it's um, and you enjoy it more. And, and for me, it's all about enjoying it. So, uh, as many goals as I, I say every season, as many goals, as many assists, and twelve for me is, is is reasonable. So I was happy with that. Do you set yourself a target each season that you'd like to get a minimum of? Yeah, I do. To be fair, I mean, I, I like to get double figures in both. I'd say ten and ten, and then anything else is a bonus. Cool. Uh, um, I won't be able to add on it this season, so I'll probably uh, I'll fail on that this season. But oh, maybe yeah, if no, I make no. a make a quick return, in, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to push myself to the end of April. And if we're in the playoffs, then I might be able to affect it. We'll see. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've got to ask, how was Vegas? Obviously, at the end of that season. Yeah, no, great. I mean, obviously, a lot of drink and uh, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, knows Barry, you know, Barry's, uh, he treated us very well, and, and especially myself with his contracts that he gave me, and uh, I can't thank him enough. Cool. So then we move on to the 2011-12 season. Um, you scored your first double for Orient against Preston, and you ended up scoring nine goals. 
in what was really quite a disappointing season. We we ended up finishing twentieth, so a bit of a season to forget yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, we narrowly avoided. It was, it was a tough season that one. I felt it was a tough season. I remember Preston quite well actually. I remember one of them was a header and then um, a long range shot mm-hmm. taking the taking the pass off Dawson, laid it inside, I took a touch and again just smashed it and luckily for me it went in it off the post, so uh, yeah, yeah, good memories. Us having done so well the previous season, why was that such a such a tough season the following season? What what what? How do you go from one extreme to the other sort of thing? There, there wasn't a massive yeah. squad. No, I think maybe we struggled, uh, they call it the second season syndrome, maybe we struggled to maintain um, the high standards that we had set and uh, maybe we let them slip um, that's all I can really put it down to and obviously the lads not performing and it, it, you know the table doesn't lie at the end of the day it's uh, underperforming and and that's it really we can't other than that it's it, sometimes it's tough to maintain it and that's why you know teams like the Man City's and Manchester United of the world are, are paid the big bucks because the boys that play there they do it every week. And credit to um, Barry Hearn because most man- most chairmen nowadays would probably sack off their manager, but he kept faith with Slade. And I guess what was Hearn like to work with as a chairman? Yeah, no, he was great. He was great. Obviously, again, he's another character, isn't he? And uh, his uh, contract negotiations were like trying to get blood out of a stone. <laughs> 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 uh, but. Uh, uh, he is, he, he's a shrewd businessman and, and that's why he is where he is. Uh, but no, listen, the, the contracts he gave me, I can't thank him enough. And uh, he done a lot for the football club. He saved it, let's not forget. Um, Absolutely. And uh, literally everyone knows he's, he's a top bloke and uh, he's a, he's a, he was a massive character and it was, it was sad to lose him in the end. Absolutely. So as we said, we just avoided relegation that season and managed to kind of stay up. Um, and so 2012-2013... Uh, again, a late surge, and we finished seventh in the league, just outside of the playoff places. Uh, you scored seven goals, so we've got to talk about what was probably the highlight of the season for most O's fans. Your away goal uh, from the halfway line against Walsall. Yeah, so I don't know what you want me to say about that. I still can't believe it. Now. <laughs> 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 I remember, uh, I remember he kicked it long, but I know Anthony Griffiths got absolutely smashed on the halfway yes. line, and Roland skipped the ball. And he passes it to me and he puts his arm out and says, Coxie, get rid of it, get it off, he's injured. And I took a touch and I made a look and I thought, you know what, no, I'm not listening to you, mate, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a shot. I see him off his line and I thought, you know what, now or never, let's have a go. And I mean, luckily for me, it, it flew in and I thought, as soon as I hit it, it looked like it was going way over. So I was getting ready to get a grill in from someone behind me, probably chores or someone like that, saying, what are you doing? Um, but it slowly, slowly dipped, and I thought, oh my good lord, it's got a chance here. <laughs> and then obviously when it dropped in, it, oh, I just, I think I just ran, ran off like a lunatic, I looked a bit of an idiot, you know? so I just ran off and slid on my knees, as That's you it. do. I'll tell you what, if you, want to, if you score from the halfway line, you've got every right to go and look like an idiot, no matter what you're doing. <laughs> Do whatever you like in my book. Yeah. As long as you don't injure yourself, you can do whatever you like. Um, so, could you sense something good was building towards the end of that season then? Because obviously, we yeah, tried, yeah, I think you could. I think it's difficult to to, to show people, but obviously in the dressing room, um, people getting a bit more confident, um, performances were becoming a bit more consistent mm. from 
from more than, I mean, you know, it's an old cliche Russell used to always say, if you can get sort of seven or eight players playing at the top of their level, then you can allow three that are a little bit off on the day. And, and that we were hitting that most weeks. Um, so, yeah, you could sense something was going to happen, definitely. You could sense, I guess, that people making those spots their own. So you, like, on the left wing, the most starting to become an established part on the right, Lisby, <clears throat> Mooney up the front and I guess your understanding of what they were doing was kind of improving with every week that you that you played yeah them. I mean it, it, it takes time definitely I mean obviously Mo was a young player and he was finding his feet and I mean boy God has he found his feet but um, you know in, in terms of where we're speaking um, he come in and uh, he, he, as a kid he, you expect a bit of inconsistency and, and you know he has that a little bit it'd be um honest enough to admit that and with myself you, you do have that but we were able like you say the, especially those front four because um, obviously the goals that we, we went on to score in, in, in that season was, was an incredible amount and you do need a very good understanding So move, moving on to that season then uh, 2013-14 and 14, first game of the season a 5-1 away win and again a good double for yourself yeah, I mean, again, I'd just done my media. I'd just come back. I was on the bench that day. I'd, um, again, in training. I don't know what it is with me in training, but <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think the lads like me. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I uh, I picked up a knock in there. I was out for a few weeks. And um, to be fair, I wasn't even ready for that game. I, I'd only trained twice. Um, but Russell said, look, I'm going to put you on the bench. I said, all right, no worries. As Russ does, oh, don't worry, if I don't need you, you won't come on. But uh, <laughs> obviously that all changed. <laughs> come on, Cox, are you going on? I thought, well, 3-0 up, Gaffer. <laughs> get, yourself, get, get yourself on. I was like, all right, no worries. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I say, I mean, thank God he did pick me on because uh, obviously I went on and scored two goals and, and that got us rolling, really. Second goal especially, the one off the bar was a sweet hit, really sweet. Yeah, I remember a bit of a confusion. I heard the fans cheer and I'm thinking, well, I can't just run off and celebrate because you're celebrating. I'm going to have to wait. <laughs> and then in the end, the rest put his arm out and take the goal. So then, yeah, he celebrated after. But yeah, no, uh, a nice goal. And obviously a record-breaking start to the season. Won the first eight out of eight. I mean, how does it feel in, in a team that has that kind of start to the season? Yeah, you do feel like world beaters. There's no point beating around the bush. You do. You do and... Uh, um, we weren't conceding many goals and we were scoring goals. So it's not it's not rocket science that you're going to win more games than you lose. We're very solid at the back. Um, and obviously, quite free scoring going forward. I mean, Kevin and Moons' goals were, were pivotal in, in what we achieved. Yeah, enjoyable to watch as well. Um, so what were your main highlights from, from that season? Can you pinpoint, I don't know, two or three from, from that season? Uh, so we've got a short list in case you can't remember we've got Brentford away that's a highlight at 2-0 and then I guess yeah definitely you, beating them at, at their place yeah, the old enemy yeah definitely yeah. and then some for you posh Peterborough away when we beat them 3-1 and you scored a nice little dink over their keeper yeah I remember that yeah definitely yeah yeah that was a good day and then a great I uh, think that was, that, was, that was the game where we went into the dressing room and we sat down and the manager you know had a few words and he actually turned around and said, "Listen, we can actually do something this season, lads. We have, you know, we're going somewhere. We need to keep believing and keep going and keep doing what you're doing." Um, and I really believe that that day was was the key to success. Really, we we really kicked on. 
Yeah, it was one of those, wasn't it? It was the top of the table clash. We were away, and I think we went one down. And I think ty- typical Old Orient would have gone on to probably lose that game, but Mooney scored a great equaliser. And in the second yeah. half, he battered him. You got that, again, that little lob, and then Mooney finished it off quite late in the game. And I think that's when most yeah. fans as well... You know, started to believe started to believe you know three on the way to Peterborough who were probably the favourites in that division and they had probably a sum in the summer of the best yeah striker. they had money they had money play. they had, no, top, they had top yeah. talent in their team as well dangerous dangerous yeah. players um, we also come up with Sheffield United your your goal at home oh yeah the chest and volley yeah absolutely that was a yeah. brilliant hit Definitely. I mean, obviously the Gillingham goal yeah 21 passes I mean that was that was um Possibly my favourite. Russ tried to take a bit of bit of credit for that, but there's no way he was teaching us to play like Barcelona that night. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, <laughs> it was. It was. We, just uh, it's brilliant. Absolutely sublime football. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that as well for the season. I mean, we we, we didn't just um, obviously the winning the games was important as well, but with the way we were winning, I think you know we were we got it down. We the goalkeeper would get the ball, the centre half would split on the edge of the 18, the full backs would bomb onto the halfway line. We would play our way out of difficult situations and uh, we trusted each other and that's what you need, especially if you're going to play that way. Um, I'll give I'll give Russ a bit of credit for that because he did trust us. <laughs> In case he listens, he might ring me up and give me a bit. So, uh, sorry Gaffer, I always call him Gaffer, so I still call him Gaffer, so uh, I'm sorry Gaffer for that. But, um, no, we... Um, we passed teams to death at times and we played some really, really good stuff and with Lloydie, uh, you know, getting on the ball and, and dictating and we had obviously Vince Lott, well, an absolute machine, he just broke everything down. You just knew if it was a 50-50, you wouldn't even worry that he'd lose it because there's just no way he'd lose a 50-50 if his life depended on it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, like I said, we, we had a way of playing, we all knew it, we all understood it. And I think the, the real credit Russ needed to take from that was that he made the substitutes and the whole squad feel as one. I mean, it's very difficult. That's the, the biggest bugbear for a manager to try and keep everyone happy. But he had the knack of keeping everyone involved. Yeah, he seems like a really good kind of man manager and someone who's really good at like instilling that, you know, never say die spirit. And that was kind of the slogan for the team at that, at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I remember, just going off key a little bit, I remember commentary at home, it was a midweek game, and I remember the first half was probably the best half I've ever seen Orient play. I know. I remember we went in at 0-0, but the midfield and just the entire play was just phenomenal. And again, we went on to win the game 2-0. You scored the first, and uh, Mooney got a second. I remember that night thinking, this is some team we've got here, we need to kind of hang on to them. So, a great yeah. season. And I guess for you as a winger, having Lisby and Mooney up top again just must have been like a dream. Yeah, because they're the two different, the right types you've got. Mooney used to come in the pockets and Lisby would always run the channels. I mean, he might grill me a bit. Obviously, he was getting on a bit, but I'm telling you, he could shift. He could run. Mm-hmm. And he really he didn't mind doing that bit. Um, his hold-up play, he was, uh, you know, he's so strong and holding the ball. But like I said, it was if I was to get the ball and I'd see Liz go long and Mooney go short you could, you know you had two options which is great for someone when you're trying to pick a pass because sometimes the first pass is not always on um, it's always nice to have that, that, that other option but like I said you know, I'd roll inside Moons would come short you'd have Mo going over the top and you had Liz going over the top as well I just think it was a good um, mixture of, of different attributes all working together 
must have been terrifying for the defence to have all these players running around and one going forwards, two going round the back and making a real Well, I mean, I remember trying to mark my own training. It was just so stupid. In the end, I just gave up. I just said, Gaffey's just going to have to call it quits. So just send us in. I mean, he was so quick. Mm. If we were doing sort of a uh, five-a-side or, or a game, and obviously he'd be on the right and I was on the left, and I used to just get sick of tracking him. So, <clears throat> Beware Championship if you follow him if you can. I mean, he's just he's got such an engine on him. I remember when we spoke to Lisby, Lisby said he, he would know where you would put the ball. So as he was running into the box, he would know instinctively where you, you as a midfielder, as his teammate, was going to pull it. Yeah, I think that, that sort of thing, obviously, when you, when you do a lot of training and, and Russ used to do quite a lot of crossing and finishing, it, it isn't just, you know, do the drill and get it over and done with. You, you're looking at where you're getting your success, you know, and he always used to peel in between the left centre half and the left back. So I always knew when I cut back on my right, I'd look up. See, I always call him King Kev. He, he tells me to shut up all the time, but to me, he's just a king. So anyway, I used to swing it in, and I knew if, if I if I could get it in in that area, he'd be flying in and he'd head it in. So he, he could say about the cross, but obviously for me, it, it was his run. He, was, he, he just knew where to be. He had that knack of like all good strikers do have. Um, Always, always between the left centre half and the left back, he would float in there, and I could find him. You might have just given him his game away now because he is still. Playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, Kev. You'll have to change the. Right. <laughs> I'll pass that on for when. Yeah, make sure you pass that intel on when uh, when they when they come and play us. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, Kev. I've killed you there, mate. <laughs> but we don't mind. So, despite scoring sixteen goals, uh, we finished third in the league. Um, we're in the playoffs, obviously, our highest league position since the. 2005-06 um, season uh, when we last got promoted and a record points total for, for us as a, a as a club which was tremendous and um, no no real less than what we deserved I think because we were in the top top two for a large percentage of that season um, was it disappointing not to go up automatically is it, is it yeah I think I think if I was to have a regret uh, we 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 needed to finish the top um, shouldn't really have taken it to the, to the playoffs for me we had done enough we just needed to uh, a few results that went our way we needed them to go our way we just let it slip a little bit obviously it was very competitive from Brentford and obviously Wolves Wolves ran away with it obviously I mean if, if Wolves shouldn't have even really been in the division so if we had finished off like we could should have mm. we could have just gone up but uh, for me yeah I, I think uh, the initial disappointment for us was hard to take because, like you say, you, you're up there all that time, a uh, few results, and you sort of you just you just fall short of, uh, of doing it. But obviously, we we dusted ourselves down and, and, and made sure that we gave ourselves a chance by getting to Wembley. When we spoke to Lockie and he was talking about the 2005 and six promotion side, he said if they hadn't beat Oxford that day and ended up in the playoffs, they, they wouldn't have gone through. They just would have been too kind of. I think John Mackey agreed. Ruined well. by it. So how how did how did you kind of prep for the Peterborough game then? Um, it was disappointing. I think the managers quite that we had a few days off, a couple of days just to clear our heads and we come back in, and um, we just cracked on as normal. Obviously, everyone knew what formation we were playing. It was a four four two. We would, we would go through team shape, um, set pieces, um, and, and then obviously we turned up. And the game plan for 
for the, the the first leg was it couldn't have gone any better for us really we didn't want to lose we felt confident if we got them back with the scoreline that we got that we, we had enough to beat them on the night at home in front of our fans so we were cautious to a degree because you, you know the first leg you can't win or, or, or lose it but um, we wanted to be cautious and make sure that when we come back to Brisbane Road that, that, that we had more than half a chance of, uh, of doing it and obviously with drawing 1-1 we've, like I said we felt confident that we, we could go and beat them Absolutely and a good one away result against a good Peterborough side and like you said we got them back to Brisbane Road and... Having said that I mean their goal should never have stood he's miles offside by the way yeah, he was he's three or four yards offside so um, Spot on. the linesman should be able to pick up on that that was quite a distance for me. Mm. So they do have a hard job, but they that do. was a good few yards. But that's what they're paid to do. They're paid to keep up with with playing. If they don't, then they're not doing their job properly. So it's just like mm, I mean, I remember seeing it from where I was, and he, he looked absolutely miles. And then speaking to, I think he was in front of Frenchy, and Frenchy said, "Yeah, he was miles off." As, as we were just about to kick off, but I remember saying it to the ref, and he just said, "Oh, well, the linesman said he was on." I said, "Well, he, he definitely weren't." Um, but obviously that the dust to us down and, and luckily Mo got, got the goal that we needed yeah and a good example of that character in that team at that time never say die yeah, yeah. so then we brought them home um, what a, what an amazing night that was you you got the first goal what do you remember about that night uh, quite a lot it's probably the best night of, night of my life I've got to be honest football terms um, I remember the build up getting the tickets um, buying merchandise from the family and obviously I saw a few of the fans in there you know, speaking and how they wanted to get the Wembley and how desperate they were um, I remember I always walk under the uh, the garage at Brisbane Road and I always see the same stewards shake his hand um, shake the uh, steward's hand as I walk into the tunnel um, I remember smelling I always smell burgers when, when I come to the ground I don't know why <laughs> but I always smell burgers there's a smell that I always smell when I walk into the dressing room so that, that was all the same um, obviously there was nerves you, you know you've got your family you've got the, it's a full house and it, it's a it's a massive opportunity that you, you didn't want to miss out on um, I remember Russell's speech another emotional and, and speech that he gave the boys and sent us out and we were ready you know we'd done everything we could in training we were organised we knew what we were doing and the game plan was to get the ball wide and attack and that was as simple as that and Lloydie would dictate getting on the ball Roman would be the, 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 the destroyer I used to call him the destroyer to get the ball back for us uh, and obviously the, the back four that season were immense with uh, Elliot uh, Matty Clarkey and Scotty mm-hmm. but, you know, they were really really solid that season um, and obviously, Mo get the ball and run because you know you can do. The only problem with good doing that sometimes can catch up with it. But um, <laughs> uh, no, that, that that's what we we were going out to attack them. And obviously, the first twenty was a bit cautious from both sides because again, you know, a bit of nerves, and that was understandable. I think the game after sort of forty-five minutes, fifty minutes, it sort of opened up a little bit. And luckily for us, we got that free kick on the edge of the box, and there wasn't really much. much I wanted to. I wanted to, I was thinking about bending it and I thought I was way too close. I had a bit of time to think about it. I think the ref was talking to someone about encroachment or something to the ball. 
I'm sort of standing there thinking, oh, I'm not too sure, I'm close, I'm close, I'm close. And I sort of turned around and I thought, right, I'm just going to smash it as hard as I can. <laughs> Made my mind up and I think it hit the centre half in the chest and, and luckily for me it, it, it dropped out and I had to adjust my body a bit and volleyed it into the corner. Yeah, it, it bounced quite high to be fair. I sort of had yes. to touch the bounce and get, 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 get down on it and it hit it low and hard and luckily for me it, it flew in. And you know, I guess what kind of emotions are running through your body? Because you kind of, as soon as it hits the net, you run, you, you're just gone. You're straight off into that corner flag. Yeah, um, I think the first couple of seconds is you just go nuts. And then as I, I remember sliding and losing all sort of feeling in my body and just split up, just, I don't know, just laying there. But the noise was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. I remember obviously... Uh, I think Moons was the one that got closest to me and then there was fans on top of me there was I mean it was just great it was just one of those feelings that uh, I won again that's for sure it was just uh, you know been through ups and downs with the football club and I've been there such a long time it meant more to me because I'd been here so long that that goal could get us to where we want to get to it was just a surreal moment and obviously luckily for us we gave the ball to Bats and he ran the length of the pitch as he does with his long legs and uh, cut it back for Dagnall and, and, and that finished them off at that mm. point. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. A great goal and then obviously they pulled one back but they, they didn't pull a second back and the full-time whistle goes and we're in the playoff final and just cue wild celebrations on the Brisbane Road turf. Yeah, I just went nuts. I, I, I ended up running towards the centre circle and then curling around to my right. I see loads of people thinking, like, I'm going to get stampeded here. I'm the smallest bloke on the pitch. <laughs> I was ducking and diving, trying to get out of the way of people. But no, it was, it was a great feeling. of a few of the blokes on the pitch sort of picking you up. And um, obviously the, the best feeling then was we went uh, up on the, the gantry and, you know, with the fans singing Kater after all and we're going to Wembley and, it was, like I said, for me, other than the final that night, was is the best of my career by, by far. Mm. Fantastic. So we're off to Wembley. We're at Wembley. And the first half couldn't have really gone any better, could it? Yeah, I don't like talking about this because it does, it does still hurt. Yeah, um, it does. We won't spend Yeah, uh, I mean, I watched it the other day. I mean, that's how much... You know, I, I do like looking back at it. But again, I, I do stop at 45 minutes. I don't go any further. But like you said, it was it was perfect. I mean, and, and Mo's goal was was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the touch and the finish uh, on his weaker side of his foot, he's absolutely smashed it in. And then a bit of confusion in their defence. And, and luckily for me, Mo's put one on a plate for me, to be fair. And I'll, I'll forever be thankful for him saw that just for me scoring at Wembley um, a great ball across and 2-0 and I remember walking in and I was next to Mo and I looked at him and I said we've got a chance here mate let's just keep going as you are keep doing what you're doing and I remember walking in and Russ giving his uh, team talks sorry Gaffer I'll be fine for that Gaffer um, and obviously all confident and uh Obviously, the second half, it, it just didn't go to plan. And the first goal is is a mistake from Jonesy. Um, needs to get hold of that, really. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, um, Red slides in. And then uh, he's, he's then gone and scored a goal that 
nine times out of ten he, he's never going to do again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it was a great goal. I'm not going to take that away from him because he's still a friend. Um, I spoke to him after the game. Obviously, as hard as it was, he's you know I played with him at and obviously he was here with us. Um, he's taking. I mean, it's just an audacious effort and 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 fair play to him. It's a, it's a great strike, and yeah. you sort of then then you sort of think you know that it's all changed and it's two two and. Uh, we're getting to extra time. I mean, I, I ended up coming off. I was sick at half time, and I was trying to get through it and get through it. And Russ just said, "Keep going and keep going." And it got to about seventy fifth minute, and I was—I mean, I'd been sick on the pitch. And I, what I didn't want is for me—I don't know—if I wasn't able to track my run, and he went and scored and made it free. I, I wanted fresh legs on the pitch for the team um, to make sure that we at least, you know, kept it the same. Uh, I remember that they were so tired in extra time and, and Mo was driving us forward. We had a couple of sort of half chances and then obviously the goal didn't come. And then I don't really want to speak about the penalties, lads, to be honest, because it's it's such a cruel way to lose. Yeah, uh, exactly. You work so hard to to get where you are. Um, and fair play to, to, to Matty and, and Dags for, for, for taking the penalties. You'd never begrudge or blame anyone for the defeat it's just one of those things that I've never agreed with penalties and I'm not I'd probably prefer a golden goal I just don't think penalties is, is the right way to do it but obviously that that is what we knew what we were going into before the game Yeah, it I was hard to take I, agree. I, yeah. think, I think in the cup tie penalties are fair enough but when you get to a, a, to, to define an entire season on five penalty shootouts or just one penalty one spot kick one yeah. spot kick it's, it's, it's a very cool very cool way to end it yeah, no, it was, and then obviously afterwards, is I mean, I, I'm quite an emotional bloke. I mean, I was gone, I was in tears, couldn't believe it. Uh, remember walking down the tunnel and uh, and literally falling into the gaffer's arms, crying. Um, he just said, "Oh, don't worry, Coxie, your time will come." And he had his way with words. He was, you know, he was sickening. He, yeah. We got in, and then obviously the lads were upset and. He didn't really say much to us because what was there to say? He just said, all right, lads, just get showered and, and get yourselves home to your families. Look after yourselves and we'll speak to you soon. And that, and that was it. So, unbeknownst to us at the time, though, Barry Hearn had sought a buyer to the club and that, and that particular individual, uh, Mr. Bichetti, who's obviously with the, well, still the owner of the club now, um, was, was there watching, uh, obviously liked what he saw, um, so obviously then that all got announced in the summer so obviously you know high expectations that we've now got someone who was potentially prepared to splurge quite a bit of money uh, we were a decent league one side having just come off the back of you know arguably our best season in, in a number of seasons um, you know we had a load of big name signings added to the squad but obviously that didn't go as it planned I, I don't know what what you're going to say yeah about I mean it's season. always it, yeah it's always difficult um when you get new owners, it's um, obviously it's a bit unsettling for the players. You don't know whether you know if he's he was watching the game, wasn't he? So you know, in the summer, the lads are thinking, well, does he like me? Is, is he going to want to keep me? Does he? You know, there was there was players out of contracts at the time. There was there's contracts running out, um, and uh, I got a call just before pre-season to say that the chairman wanted to give me a new contract which I was absolutely delighted Russ had told me that um, he'd been in contact with him and said 
um, would like to extend it and you know I, I had no qualms at all and, and we got that sorted quite quick again so on that bar I thought, you know I, I, I can't thank the chairman enough he gave me another three year contract um, with that new deal but obviously that season it then got a bit disrupted yeah so obviously Russ left quite early on in the season I guess it sounds like your relationship with Slade was more than manager-player. So how did it feel losing a manager? Well, more like a father figure <clears> as opposed to a manager. How did that feel? But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was hard to take. I mean, like I said, probably more so than me because obviously, um, you know, I've been with him so long. Um, it, no, it definitely was difficult to take. But uh, respected that, obviously... No disrespect to, to us, that obviously Cardiff are, are a massive football club and um, he, he uh, wanted to test himself in the championship and he's got every right to and uh, this season they've started off all okay. Were there any key things about that season that you can potentially sort of put your finger on to say actually that wasn't quite right and that wasn't quite right as to perhaps... I think there, I think there was a lot, wasn't there? I mean, the disruption of the amount of managers um, wasn't great. Um, the amount of players that we were we were using and not using, and uh, it was just quite disruptive. There was quite a lot of stuff off the pitch that maybe could have been handled differently. You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe try to have stuck with with one of them just a little bit longer. I think every time you change, it's you know, it's not just obviously the person. It's different training. It's different tactics. It's different. You know, it's different everything. So I think there was a constant change in certain things throughout the season, which um, for me come to come to a boil when I, I um, did an interview away to Barnsley because uh, it was such a frustrating time for me. Um, I felt that I had to say something that it, that had to change. It was, it, you know... It, because I've been here so long, I'm, I'm so passionate about what happens to the football club that sometimes, you know, my heart rules over my head and, and I said a few things, I got told off for that. Did um, you really? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes you can speak out of turn and, you know, I accepted that. And, okay. But for me, it was, it was, you know, it just boiled over. It was frustration, it was annoyance, it was... You know the the fact that we weren't doing so well. It was it was hard. It was a hard, uh, a very testing season mentally. I remember that interview that you did, and I remember watching it at the time on Orient Player, thinking, "Wow, that's quite for a first team player to actually come out and say some of those things." I actually thought that was quite. It was very refreshing because obviously as fans we're we're not being told much and you know you've got all the rumour mills and all the people that talk that, with their own opinions that think they're talking based on fact but they're not but to actually have a player come out and actually kind of tell it how it you know almost how it is was, was actually great for us as a fan in my view um, Yeah I mean I mean I've got a responsible as a player to, to keep things under wraps but it was it was you know it was just one of those like I said it was frustration it was it was me just being real. It was I was frustrated. I was annoyed. I was disappointed. Yeah. Sometimes, like I said, my emotions, like I said, I'm an emotional blow. It, it got the better of me, and uh, you know whether or not it was right or wrong, it, it's it's done, and, and and we've moved on from that. Yeah. But it, it, it was definitely a difficult time. 
Absolutely, and like we said, from Slade to Nuge to Mauro to Liverani, it's, that's quite a, a big, well, very big change for a football club. And in terms of being a player, it must be a massive change in terms of the mentality of what the manager wants. Yeah, like I said, things change, you know, different ideas and they perceive things differently and, and that's, that is football. That, you know, any manager you do get, that they, they do have their own ideas, which is fine, but it's, it's obviously difficult for a player um, to take. Um, but by all means, I, I, I'm not taking away that the players weren't good enough because we weren't and every single one of us did not do our job that season and, and the table doesn't lie. Um, we didn't do enough to stay in the division and with the players that we got we should have yeah I mean when we spoke to a mate he said exactly the same thing he said had we won at Swindon on that last day of the season it would have been an injustice because you know we deserved to get relegated that season because we just didn't do enough yeah no no absolutely I'm, you know you can have all the excuses under the sun but I didn't score enough goals I didn't create enough goals that's that's my part of you know that I didn't do enough Mm. Um, and I don't think any any player can look in the mirror and say that season I, I pulled my weight. I was, you know, I I, I done well, um, and it's hard to take. So for me, I take responsibility for that, and, and you know, that's why I, it's so heartbreaking this season that I'm not able to get us back up because that's, you know, I wanted to do that so badly because you do feel responsible for for what's happened because you're, you're one of them players, and then if. If one of those lads sitting at home this evening don't think that they, you know, they that they had pulled their weight and they'd done well enough, then they're kidding themselves because none of us did. Yeah, and it must be even more difficult, perhaps, when the when the manager isn't, uh, you know, fluent in 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 English, to so be able to convey the sorts of messages that he needs to get across to you, you know, during during the pitch. A lot of the time we saw him calling players over and then just shrugging their shoulders saying, I don't know what you're saying, I don't know what you're trying to instruct me to do. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I mean, well, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was very difficult, definitely at the early stages. Um, you know, we, we had to have a translator in the dressing room. Um, I don't think that gives the same sort of motivational, do you know what I mean, speech, because he's literally just... <laughs> You know, talking as we are, there's no, there's no force, there's no, you know, getting people motivated. It's tough to pick yourselves up. But um, no, it wasn't ideal. And like you said, instructions being being told and looking at and thinking, look, mate, I, I really don't know what you're saying. So uh, I'm not too sure what I'm supposed to do here. But I'm just going to crack on as I can and, <laughs> and, and, and try and try and make the best of, of a bad situation. Brilliant. Um, but don't get me wrong. It, he did try to learn English, but it, because it had already been, it was for me. It was too late. I think it was it was hard to get the gist. Once it had happened, it was hard to uh, change that. So, was there a point in the season where, in that season, where you thought actually we're not going to make it here? We're, we're actually going to get relegated. I don't think you can say that. I don't think I'd ever say that. But there's so much bad happening and bad stuff in the press and um, you know people making stories out of nothing really and, 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 and making the, it was just making the football club look a bit a bit silly at the time which which again for the players isn't great you know again for me being here so long you know no one takes the mickey out of my club you know it's not it's, this is serious you know um, you put your heart and soul into it and people just want to pick holes at it when, when they think they can and 
you know, like, like you know me very well. Sometimes you, you do get something back, and uh, like I said in Barnsley, that was my way of sort of um, releasing, I suppose, some uh, frustration out. Yeah, and then it all kind of hinged on Swindon away. Um, I remember being at County Ground. You put us one up with a, with a good finish, and we went two up. And I think we had to win, and three other teams had to lose. And it turned out we ended up getting the draw. And I think. Colchester won against Preston yeah. so ultimately uh, yeah. we were down anyway I mean when that full time whistle yeah. went I mean the fans were pretty devastated I mean how does that feel as a player? That's the worst feeling I've had that was terrible uh, you feel empty you feel a failure um, I was embarrassed embarrassed and every, every one of the players should feel embarrassed because there is no way in hell we should have gone down absolutely